At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Get better. He's, you know, he's a very committed guy. I mean, you know, uh, we all have it, right? It working in our lives. Guys, you see, and they pick up your own energy. He's like that for our coaching staff at least. You know, you walk in the gym, you see him. He's upbeat. He's ready to go. He works hard. He brings an energy every day. Um, those are the guys you want in your organization. Those are the guys you can. Uh, build good teams around. He's still young. He still makes some mistakes. And, you know, want me, make me want to pull out the little hair I have left. But, but I, yeah, I love his approach. Um, you know, he went a lot of minutes tonight. I thought he played him well. Yeah, I was happy with him. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy, where, Tommy, I only have one question to ask you, my friend. You down with KCP? Yeah, you know me. You down with KCP? Yeah, you know me. You down with KCP? Yeah, you know me. Yeah, it's lit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're here. Lakers just signed Contavious Caldwell-Pope to one year, 18 million, and... We don't know how how to compose ourselves. The Lakers finally did something, and this just goes to show you, well, for one thing, the Lakers got really lucky because this wouldn't have happened if Stan Van Gundy hadn't renounced KCP. They hadn't traded for Avery Bradley. A bunch of different things had to happen for this to occur for the Lakers, for lightning to strike. 
And uh, it happened because the Lakers were patient. Patience is a virtue. They did not sign stupid dudes. And you got to give them props, even though they lucked into this. And I'm just super excited. I can't remember the last time I was this excited about some rando dude. Um, Even though it might be a one-year rental, this guy's only 24, presents the perfect combination of uh, young upside and helps the team right now because the Lakers want to be competitive. They want to show Paul George, LeBron James, that they have a team that can play some actual basketball. And this goes a long way in doing that in terms of giving Lonzo Ball the prototypical three and D type shooting guard that he can pass to. And yeah, I'm just super excited. Can you remember the last time that you were this excited for like a random signing? Because the Lakers have not done well in free agency since Shaq. Pretty no. Much. Yeah. We've done horribly. I wouldn't say since Shaq, but we've done horribly, especially <laughs> the, in the post Dwight Howard years. Um, I would say the last time I, I was like even remotely optimistic about a signing that we had post Dwight was maybe Jody Meeks because mm-hmm. he was a young player. He was a shooting guard. He had just come off like a couple big seasons, um, not big seasons, I shouldn't say, but he was young and he had come off some pretty good seasons for a, a first two year player with Philly. And we were plugging him into Dan Tony's system. So I was like, oh, there's some upside there, but n- nothing like nearly close to this caliber. Yeah, exactly. I think for me, it would be the Swaggy P signing one year mid-level exception during a really down year when the rest of our signings were like Chris Kamen and that infamous Chris Kamen Photoshop on Dwight Howard's face uh, started that oh, whole yeah. trend. But uh, but yeah, man, this is objectively a great signing. Uh, Rob Polinka and Magic Johnson's first real home run here. Um, I'm going to call him Contavious Caldwell Hope because that's what he provides our oh, team this season, even if it's just one year he is going to convert many a Laker fan. Whether that's converting three-point shots or just converting them in general to throw down the analytics and just view this as what it is, which is a great, great signing for a player with high potential, high upside. And by the way, he is also under Rich Paul, LeBron James' agent. So there might be something to that. There might be some back-channel talk here and... This would go a long way into figuring out how to, if they want to keep Contavious Caldwell Pope, fit in LeBron James and Paul George because of that connection. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But um, Tommy, where were you when this news broke? Such a random night. Yeah, such a random night. I was sitting down at the gym trying to, uh, you know, get my body lit for this season and uh, <laughs> and just sitting down, try, trying to uh, sign up for a new membership, and all as of a sudden, I got like a bunch. G- as you were signing up for the gym membership, Contavious Caldwell Pope was also signing up for his Lakers membership. Ay-oh. There you go. <laughs> so I'm like sitting down, and I'm like not really paying attention, and then all of a sudden, I look at my phone, and I'm like, "Whoa!" I have like eight messages, and I'm like <laughs> clicking through, and it's all like you texted me, and like a bunch of my work friends texted me, and. Everybody was like, we got him. And my word friends tend to jump the gun sometimes. So I was uh-huh. like kind of skeptical. But when you send stuff, you tend to like support it with a Twitter link, which I appreciate. So <laughs> a bunch of my work friends, like I saw their messages first and they're like, whoa, the Lakers got Contavious Caldwell Pope. And I was like, I, are, did you just read the rumors from today? Are you like, <laughs> are you like eight hours delayed? Or I what's know. And then I saw your message and I was like, oh crap, it happened. I was shocked. I honestly, I was no, shocked. Man. I did not think because it was good. I thought this... we had a chance. I didn't think it was going to happen today. Right. We thought initially that the Lakers are going to try and clear some more cap room or cap space for him because, yeah. you know, I, I, initial reports were, okay, they're going to give him the same deal they gave Dion Waiters, George Hill, one year, 17 million. But we already saw that he's turned down more money 
from that in a multi-year right. deal. So maybe he'd want $20 million at least. So maybe they're trying to ship off an asset with Corey Brewer or even try and ship off Jordan Clarkson now because they know they're going to have Contavious Caldwell-Pope. But hey, it just looks like he, he decided to settle on $18 million or $17 million, 17.7, I believe, and that's yeah. that. It, deal done. Yeah, great job for the Lakers. It's been a long time since we've seen... Since I saw like a Brian Windhorst, like Mark Stein, Adrian Wojnarowski, Lakers sign tweet, that's actually good. Not like, oh no, Mozgov, four years, oh dang, what is going on, you know? So for this one, it was, it was really surreal. I was, uh, I was on my way to get some tapioca express passion fruit green tea <laughs> as i was about to leave i know as i was about to leave my car check my phone one last time and there it was the tweet and i was like oh snap and then i couldn't concentrate i was busy the next 10 minutes just like forwarding all this stuff to you and then pressuring you into getting on this emergency podcast with me tonight and here you are so uh yeah, so let, let's talk Here about this uh, move a little bit. And I feel bad for David Caruso. I mean, Alex Caruso, because uh, KCP yeah. totally stealing his thunder. We haven't even gotten to talk about Russo mania, but uh, I'm sure we'll bring him in for a, a training camp invite and hopefully hopefully sign him to like a minimum contract or whatever. But Yeah, there's still space for him. Yeah. Tonight is all about KCP. I know Eric Pincus right now is talking about how the Lakers may have to do some cap maneuvering with regards to Thomas Bryant and... They might even have to waive David Nwaba, which would be unfortunate. I don't really know right now. Yeah. Uh... No, so I think just as my impression, and don't take this as like gospel, but my impression of what Pincus was saying was that the deal is actually one year, 18 million flat, like it's being reported. They're going to have to waive Nwaba because he's non-guaranteed. But if he clears waivers, they can re-sign him for the minimum again. Okay. Um, but... It could easily, easily be that the deal is one year, 17.7 or whatever we had, 17.6, whatever we had to offer. And the agent rounded up when mm. he um, released the information just because 18 looks better, obviously, than 17.6. Sure. So. Okay, cool. So there's still hope there. But uh, I guess my question now to you is, what is what does this mean for the Lakers in terms of the... I know you had a theory in terms of the Jordan Clarkson angle. Look, we knew Jordan Clarkson yes. was already gone, right? We already knew he was gone. But now bringing Contavious Caldwell Pope in, that almost means, well... He's extra uh, gone. He's he's extra gone and maybe sooner <laughs> sooner than we thought. So if you want to talk about exactly. that implication. No, absolutely. So I think Jordan Clarkson, as we've talked about multiple times on this show, has to leave before the end of the season. The question was, and I and again, I give the Lakers management a good amount of props for this because they didn't freak out. Like at some point they were going to have to get rid of Clarkson. You know, if you were wondering why are they cha- uh, chasing veteran guards, we have like a bunch of guards. Why are, you know, a point guard I can see, why do we need a shooting guard? We have Clarkson. No, they, they knew they had to get rid of Clarkson to pursue this two maximum plan that they wanted to pursue. And so it was just a matter of time of when Clarkson was going to be traded for nothing. Cause obviously he's on like, he has three more years guaranteed um, so it was a matter of time. It was either going to be during the season this year, after the season. And one thing that they, the reason that they weren't doing it, I mean, as of today and anyway, is because our only other guards on the roster currently are David Nawaba and Josh Hart. And obviously both of those guys are very young. Josh Hart's a rookie. Nawaba is like essentially a rookie in my eyes because he didn't really play a full season last year. And you can't just roll into the season with those two guys as your two guards, especially if you're starting a 19-year-old point guard. So 
it always made sense to hold on to Clarkson as long as you need it and always have that mm-hmm. chip in like your in your pocket and just be like, okay, look, we're not going to do anything stupid. We're not going to, you know, go out there and sign Ben McLemore to a one year, $19 million deal if we don't have to, or one year, $17 million deal if we don't have to, just because we have Jordan Clarkson here, worst case scenario. We'll make our run at George Hill. We'll make our run at Deion Waiters. We'll make our run at KCP, like guys that would be upgrades over Clarkson. But we're not just going to give anybody a one-year $19 million because we have Clarkson sitting here. So now that we have a legitimate starting caliber 25-year-old two-way shooting guard who's on a one-year expiring deal exactly like we need, we can be so much more aggressive with trading Jordan Clarkson now and to your point, just to, to jump into this too, when you were talking about earlier, like earlier today when we saw the rumors, we thought, oh, okay, well, they met with him and it sounds like it went well. So maybe now the next step is once they get KCP to commit, they move on to, okay, let's now try to find a home for Jordan Clarkson, swap him out for, you know, an expiring contract. Yep. Um, and maybe save like, you know, five, six million dollars that way and then up KCP's offer. The beauty of KCP accepting this like one year, 18 million or whatever the exact number he accepted was, is now that he's accepted at that number, we don't have to rush into a Jordan Clarkson trade. We can literally just sit here and say, Jordan Clarkson is on the block. Send us your best offer. Like there are teams that could use a guy like Clarkson, um, teams that need a young combo guard who can give scoring off the bench. Like there aren't a lot of guys 25 years old who have proven like, at that level of efficiency that they can do that, at least offensively. So Jordan Clarkson has some value. I'm not saying we're definitely going to get a first-round pick, but even if we just get an expiring veteran contract, that could be valuable for us. So so that's what we can do. And now we have gained this luxury because one thing, I was actually running through some hypotheticals with you today, um, uh, and I was thinking in my head, like, man, if we we can't make KCP wait the whole summer for this. So if we're trying to clear space for him now and we're trying to clear, uh, get rid of Clarkson now, we're going to get like some real low ball offers. We just have to spring into a Clarkson trade and just like, oh, boom, get rid of him right now. Yep. So the fact that this worked out as nicely as it did, um, and honestly, I don't know, we don't even have to trade Clarkson like right now. We, we, can, we can literally just wait, you, you know, if we actually do wave Nawaba or just carry four shooting guards, um, and then trade Clarkson whenever the right moment arises. Like the point is getting KCP to commit at one year, 17.6 or whatever the final number ends up being gives us so much flexibility to just like wait now on Jordan Clarkson. We can, we can trade him now and, and go into the season, be totally fine with our guard rotation. We can wait for the season, have a bench scorer in Clarkson and then wait for the right moment to unload him. You know, it's just like, there's so many possibilities and, so like you said, we kind of lucked into it. But again, props to them for being patient and everybody freaked out that like, including me, to be honest, that with all these meetings with Rondo and all this and that, that we were going to like rush into a horrible decision and, you know, give Rondo like $12 million of our space. And if we had we done something like that and made a rush decision, like, oh, we got all these young, you know, kind of like what happened last year in a way. Right. So right. we have all these young guys like we better get some vets. Like let's be aggressive 1201 midnight, you know, on the first day and, and, and just, and get all these guys signed up. We didn't do that. We, 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 uh, stayed, the, we stayed the course. We were like, we have our guys, you know, on this pod, we were on this episode on the show, we were uh, complaining like, 
oh, you know, Macklemore got signed for a reasonable deal. CJ Miles kind of got reason relatively reasonable money. Like a lot of guys seem to have been getting reasonable money. Ian Clark was still floating out there, and it seemed like we just weren't doing anything. But our patience paid off, and KCP became available. And you know, he and LeBron James shared the same client, so I'm sure that didn't hurt our. I'm sorry, shared the same agent, so I'm sure that didn't hurt our chances. And here we are. Here we are, and as we speak, Contavious Caldwell Pope has changed his Twitter bio to shooting guard for the Los Angeles Lakers. Yes. Oh man, that is so awesome. Uh, so let's, let's actually just talk about Contavious Caldwell Pope as an actual player and not just as a cap yeah, leaker. <laughs> uh, so this guy, I mean, if you look he plays at basketball, his, right? he plays basketball. And if you're looking at the analytics and blah, 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 you might say, Oh, he's okay. But if you actually watch this guy's tape, yeah, like I said in the last episode, you just search him up on YouTube. He's got multiple videos that say, Contavious Caldwell Pope locking down Steph Curry, locking down Clay Thompson, locking down PG-13, locking down James Harden. I mean, so on and so forth, locking down Kyrie Irving. And regardless of what the analytics say that he still has stuff to work on, from what I've seen of the film, this is a guy that just like hustles defends hard and he's going to miss assignments yes he's going to get beat off the dribble yes like everybody is especially when he's guarding the best player on each team every single night does he play in the east coast it's a little easier yes but no matter what they stick him to the best guy and he always gives his all fights through screens takes charges gets strips and this guy is really really athletic i just you know the last few days i've been watching his highlight videos and i've just been I never realized how athletic he was. He has this uh, LeBron James cockback dunk that he always does in transition where he just flies in the air. And his game is predicated mostly on catch and shoots, you know, as opposed to Jordan Clarkson who likes to dribble, dribble, hezzy pull up or whatever. KCP is the type of guy curling off screens, just catching it and shooting it. And that's it. And people will look at his percentages, you know, career 33% shooter. That's not great. Last year, 35% from three, two years ago, 34%. But here's what I have to say about the percentages. Um, I don't care about the percentages as much because the volume with which he takes three-pointers and makes them is especially high. And if you look at the context of his team where he has Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson, guys who can't shoot, that's not a great team to be on if you're a shooter, like a pure shooter, you know? This guy just keeps shooting nonetheless. And last year, he averaged two makes a game. And then two years ago, two makes a game as well when he averaged 34%, 35%. And just going off of um, the types of games, high-volume three-point games he's had this season, he's had an 8-for-11 from three-point land game, a 7-for-15 three-point land game, a 6-for-8 game, a 5-for-9 game, a 5-for-8 game, a 5-for-10 game, and then multiple games where, he hit, where he's hit four threes a game. So for me... I don't care about the percentage as much. I think with Lonzo Ball and a, a better system, a b- better space system with better shooters around him, I think he can easily up that percentage by two or three percentage points and the volume will still be there. So that's why I'm not concerned with the analytics. And people forget that a guy like Rodney Hood, who people proclaim as this like crazy pure shooter, this guy is only averaged like 35%, 36% from three as well. What makes him exactly. a shooter is that he has a high volume of three-point makes and that's all he does. And guess what? This is mainly what KCP does. So I'm very intrigued by him. He has stuff to work on, obviously. He has to shore up his overall fundamentals on defense and probably team def- defense, but we haven't had a guy 
who's who, who who can try who tries this hard and hustles this hard and has like a strong base in a long time. You could say David Nwaba, but not a well-rounded guy like this in a long time. So, what are your impressions of KCP as an actual player? Yeah, I think KCP. And look, I put myself in the group of skeptics when the rumors first came out of like, oh, KCP turned down like a five-year, $80 million. I can't remember. It was like an absurd number he turned down. Five-year. Yeah, from the Pistons. And I put myself in the group of skeptics when he became an unrestricted free agent. Like, yeah, I mean, look, we have this one-year, $17 million, $17.6 million uh, space to offer him. Does that necessarily mean it is the guy we should offer this to? Like, I was never, I'm like, I'm not a Pistons fan, obviously. I very, I watch two Pistons games a year when we play them. Okay, so I don't know anything about the Pistons, but every time I see them play, first of all, they're horrible to watch. But second of all, uh, KCP is like wildly inconsistent in my experience. Sometimes he's just a complete ghost, um, offensively anyway, you know, breaking wide open shots, whatever. I wasn't really sure about his defense, but like you, I started to look at the tape. I started to look at like the Twitter um uh, what what the uh, Detroit like community thought about him in terms of like their beat writers and stuff like that and and uh, he, just his reputation and this guy was known as like a very very solid defensive player and from a guy in Stan Van Gundy who he's I wouldn't say he's like a fully defensive minded coach but he values defense this isn't like a Mike D'Antoni situation Stan Van Gundy cares a lot about defense and KCP was the best defender on his team and. Because of that, he got a ton of minutes despite his inconsistent shooting. KCP was averaging well over 30 minutes, I think, pretty much every year he's been in the league. So I, I'm really excited about his game. I think he's going to be doing a lot. Like, I, I saw some stat briefly on Twitter earlier. It was, I think, uh, 47% of KCP's shot attempts are three-pointers. And like you said... That's that is almost as in like taking a higher percentage shot. Like okay, you're shooting thirty five percent. So what does that tell me? It tells me you're not Clay Thompson. Like big deal. You know what I mean? Clay Thompson's not signing this deal. So thirty five percent, but it's not like you're shooting one for three. You're hitting you know about two threes a game. You're taking almost all of your shots from three, and those are important factors when you're replacing a guy, for example, in, in theoretically that could be in the starting lineup, like Jordan Clarkson, a guy who's taking a ton of, you know, he is bread and butter is like mid range and getting to the rim. So you lose a little bit of getting to the rim maybe with KCP, but what we need is a guy who basically like, you know, what Lonzo had at UCLA is just going to run in in transition and spot up behind the three-point line and is no hesitation going to just be able to fire up threes. And this isn't like the Marcus Smart situation where this dude's shooting 28% and shooting it five times a game. He's still hitting 35%. He has a good stroke. He's 25. Like, there's upside there. Um, I'm, I'm like, the more we talk about it, the more I'm excited about this signing. Also, this guy over the course of the season has had some crazy blow up games, like a 38 point career high game, 33 point game, multiple high 20s games. And to, to, I saw something on Twitter just now that said KCP was a 40% three point shooter before a shoulder injury last year. And after that, he never recovered and he got injured fighting through a hard screen. So he was a 40% shooter before that. You know, there's actual, there's actually a reason for why he had that dip. And so even looking at that, even more so, I'm just like, 
this guy is going to help a lot. Goes a long way in making the Lakers hopefully a 30-plus win team. And again, on the defensive end, I could give a rat's ass about the de- the defensive, uh, what's it called, numbers because our whole team has been crappy in that respect. And even if D'Angelo Russell has a higher right. defensive plus minus or some rando like Jordan Clarkson has a higher defensive plus minus, we know that's all crap if we actually watch the tape and compare it. It's just the fact that KCP is guarding the toughest assignment every single night. He's going to get burned. These guys like James Harden or whatever are built to hit tough shots regardless of whether you're contesting. And with regards to KCP, he's a guy who more times than not, will always close out. He'll always recover. Even if he gets beat, he's rushing to get there, you know, unlike certain guys. So for me... And and yeah, well, and I just wanted to add to your point there, which is to say that um, analytics can be skewed in a lot of different ways and a lot of different things that we don't fully understand can manipulate the data a little bit. So you can arrive at a sample where like, okay, yeah, this analytic like that I, this metric that I'm using tells a very accurate story in 60% of the cases, but in 40% of the cases, it's completely off. You know, that these are the types of things we just don't fully understand. Um, if you, if any, if anybody here follows, uh, Tom Zayas on Twitter, uh, who I think is Pete's brother. I've never met him. Yes, yeah, Pete's yes. brother, right? Okay. So Laker film room's brother, and he's, he's like a podcast host as well. He has posted a bunch of stuff, um, I think, in the last couple of hours uh, about how, you know, just more like, not analytics, but just like hard, like raw data, like pass deflections, you know, loose balls recovered, you know, stuff like that that's actually like indicative of effort and hustle. And KCP measures very, very well in those uh, in those types of metrics. So the fact that he is like, you know, he in every single defensive analytic metric doesn't me- measure out so well. Watch tape of this pool and tell Seriously. me once did you ever see in the last three years any player on the Lakers play like this? I've never no. seen it, ever. You know, and it's just like, it's small things like that can completely change a team's defensive makeup. Like, yes, we got better from... If you if you just to take this back a little bit to 2006 2007 ish era Lakers, we made a huge leap from like being two years in a row the seven seed to all of a sudden being the number one seed. And yes, okay, some of that was Andrew Bynum got really good. Some of that was we acquired Pau Gasol. Some of that was also we acquired Trevor Ariza, who was a lanky wing, extremely athletic, put a ton of effort in on the defensive end. And that becomes contagious. You know, like, we always talk about Lonzo Ball's passing is going to be contagious, and we've kind of seen indications of that in the summer league. Having a guy out there on the perimeter who's hustling as much as Contavious Caldwell Pope is going to be so contagious, but, and it's going to raise the level of everybody else playing around him. He's going to be contagious Caldwell Pope. Sorry. He's going to be contagious Caldwell Pope. <laughs> And also, on top of that, it's not like a David Nwaba situation where you have to live with, okay, well, this guy's great, but he can't shoot. No, this guy can actually shoot, too. So he does all the things we want him to do in that starting guard spot next to Lonzo. And, like, honestly, I can't really think of anyone because we don't really care next to Lonzo. Can this guy take it off the dribble? Can this guy house his passing out of the pick and roll? Like, we don't necessarily care about that. 
We need a guy out there who can defend and who can shoot. That's it. Yep. Because he's going to take off so much pressure off of Lonzo defensively. Lonzo's 6'7". He can guard shooting guards, and he'll be able to keep up with shooting guards as a rookie much, much easier than he'll be able to keep up with point guards. So Contavious Caldwell-Pope can step in. He's 6'5", great defender. He often guarded point guards in the East. He can he can take over if not defend them the entire game at least takes a lot a lot of the burden off of nineteen year old Lonzo there. Yep, agree. And to be clear, this guy's not like a this is, guy's not like a JJ Redick type who he can't dribble the ball. This guy can dribble the ball, especially because he is very athletic. He does have he's not like Jordan Clarkson in terms of shake and aggressiveness, but in terms of him being able to drive, him being able to handle the ball here and there, he can do that. I think that's probably why his percentage is so low that he probably does too much of that in terms of one on one stuff. If he just cuts that off, just focuses on being more of a spot up shooter next to Lonzo in a free-flowing op- offense, especially in transition. This guy is going to be so money in transition. This we, this could not have been a better signing for the Lakers, and it just impedes us from doing so many other stupid stuff. I'm glad that huge chunk is there to impede us from doing anything else. Yeah, That's seriously. it. We're, we're done. So let's quickly touch upon the Rondo factor, because initially we, we got both news at the same time today and we we're like, oh, what the hell? <laughs> you know, like, it's the best of yeah, times, it was, it was the, the worst the, of times. It's a roller coaster. <laughs> like, seriously, diametrically opposed two things that were so diametrically opposed. But now that we got the order of events to happen in this way, I don't care anymore. Sure, sign Rondo for the room exception of $4 million. I still would prefer them not to and you for them to use that $4 million on someone who could actually help now that we actually have a semi-looking competitive team in the West. Um, I don't know if Rondo necessarily helps us to, you know, bump that win percentage up by even like one or two wins. I, I think there might right. be a better player out there. But even if they do so, just for like, you know, uh, mentorship sake, quote unquote, whatever, that's dubious. But even if it's for that reason and they vetted him thoroughly, Fine, give a one-year $4 million to Rondo. If he doesn't work out midway through the season, cut his ass. We have Contavious Caldwell-Pope. That's it. So what are your thoughts on Rondo real quick? Yeah, Rondo I was super down on. But again, it's when you hear these rumors about like, oh, Rondo's coming, it's like, ah, goddammit. Because you're thinking in your head, you're thinking in your head like, we have this $17 million chunk of change and Rondo... I don't, he's obviously not worth like a, even a one year overpay that for that much, but your figure like a one year overpay is going to take a significant portion of that, if not all of it. And, and so you're, for me, I was just defaulting to this would be horrendous because if we're paying Rondo that much, we have, we're going to feel much, much less justified in waiving him if things, if things start going bad. We're going to feel much less justified in not playing him significant minutes. Um, I was getting a little bit worried that if the guard situation wasn't going to work out, then Luke was going to play Rondo and Lonzo together, which I wasn't yeah. super high on, which I think would have been kind of a disaster. Um, so the fact that we now have this shooting guard who is going to guaranteed give us like 32 minutes a game, we have this 19-year-old point guard who we are going to ease into probably 30, 30 minutes a game average by the end of the season. There's only so many more minutes left to go around for Rondo, especially if we keep Jordan Clarkson for some or all of the all of the season. So, if we're going to sign Rondo for like four point three million dollars, which is the room exception, which is what we have left to offer now, 
I'm totally fine with that because it's so low risk. It's like whatever. Play they play this guy 15 minutes a game. I'm I'm cool with that. Like he can keep Alonzo like energy going when he comes off the bench. Uh, he's not. He's lost like a I'd say more than a step defensively, but he mm-hmm. um, is still a competitor. He maybe he'll give us some veteran leadership, um, and as long as he doesn't totally clash with Luke, big deal. But uh, I think I saw some Medina tweet, or, or I think it was Mark Medina tweeted, um, they're still not totally sold on Rondo, so I think they're going to ex- continue to explore their options. And again, now that now that they've locked in one guy in Contavious Caldwell Pope, it just like they have so much flexibility to just sort of wait and see what else uh, what else becomes available. Yeah, so after a pretty tumultuous uh, summer for the Lakers and wondering what exactly is up their sleeves and all this like mumbo jumbo cap space ghost stuff, um, it's nice to finally get some concrete things going on. And this is not even including the uh, Alex Caruso, Caruso sanity going on where we could end up with KCP, fine, keep Rondo, but also Caruso as a backup there in case the Rondo thing doesn't work out. And all of a sudden, we kind of got a squad here, and and I'm very excited to see the potential yeah. of. I've never been more excited to see a 33 win team, but 33 wins could get us to the ninth ninth seed, you know, and right. get it out of the hands of Boston, get the pick out of their hands, especially because the East is so bad. Yeah, we might get it to ninth, and and who knows even more so. So I guess before we get into the cap stuff to end the show, what exactly outside of. Uh, actual play does KCP present? Because for me, I think you you touched upon it a little bit, but this just opens up a world more of possibilities and flexibility for the Lakers. They can do a better job assessing players. They can take more time doing it. And given that they had to already kind of squeeze themselves into this thin, um, thin hole of trying to get out from under Dang, Jordan Clarkson, possibly Julius Randle, because his cap hold is 124 now they have another asset in KCP who they can look at and say, okay, do we want to keep him over these guys? Do we want to keep him over, you know, Zubats, Nance, etc., and free up cap space that way? Um, now they just have better competition in general from all the guys. And at the end of the day, they can say, okay, who balled out the most and who do we want to keep? Um, and I like just having that option open for them. We have a fallback plan once again. Also, if let's say the LeBron James and Paul George thing doesn't work out. And let's say KCP actually lives up to even more than we were expecting and turns out to be, I don't expect this to happen, but what if he turns out to be a 20 point scorer, three and D sort of guy, you know, and LeBron James and Paul George don't work out, but we're like, Oh, we got KCP. Let's sign him to 20 million. You know, he's on the lower end of the max scale anyways. So again, fallback plan, not, I don't think it's going to happen, but at least it gives you a fallback plan. Whereas if there, if the Paul George and LeBron thing didn't work out, we got nothing. So I like the options, and at this point, do you think that it's going to be between KCP and Julius Randle in terms of who the Lakers are looking to keep? Because we've been talking about all the cap machinations, and there is a possibility where the Lakers could keep Julius Randle and just trade Dan Clarkson and maybe use Zubats and Nance as assets with those guys to ship them out for nothing, and then Julius Randle would stay on. Um, but now with KCP on board for $17.7 million or $18 million, his cap hold next year is going to be 21 it's impossible to keep KCP and Julius Randle and then have Paul George and LeBron both on the same team so do you think it's between those two at this point 
I 100% think it's between those two. And I think one interesting angle that we're kind of dancing around here is KCP is represented by Rich Paul, who is LeBron's mm-hmm. agent. This is this would not be the first time, mind you, that LeBron has got a teammate paid via Rich Paul. Tristan Thompson, his current teammate on the Cavs, is also represented by Rich Paul. And if anybody remembers after the Cavs, I can't remember when Tristan exactly signed his, his extension. I want to say... It was after they lost the first time to the Warriors. Um, mm-hmm. I, but I don't quote me on that. But the point is, at some point, you know, there there was all this like stuff coming out about like, oh, LeBron runs the Cavs and Rich, he, you know, uh, Tristan Thompson's part of his like team, and he's putting he's putting pressure on the Cavs to like give Tristan Thompson a lot of money. I don't know. All I don't know what offers were realistically available for KCP. Um, especially because he entered the free agent period at such a random time. Like, I think we we broke it down today. Um, I don't know if you tweeted this out, but we talked about it. And it was, I think six teams could have offered KCP $16 million or more. Mm-hmm. And of those six teams, we were the only team per, pretty much that needed a shooting guard, especially if the Nets intend to use D'Angelo as a shooting guard next to Jeremy Lin. Like, we don't know what they're going to do there, but... It was pretty much us, us and the Nets. Um, yep. And we didn't necessarily have to just go all out and be like, here, one year, 17 million. We could have, like, you know, played a game and, like, done this whole song and dance and gone through this. No, we kind of, like, went in and just said, hey, look, this is the max we can offer you. This is, we really like you to come here. And I can't help but think Rich Paul is, is thinking in his head, okay, well, if KCP is here, and, you know, maybe they can't, they can't promise anything, but look, if we're going to hypothetically in our dream scenario, we end up signing LeBron James and Paul George, we already have Brandon Ingram on the team. We already have Nance and Kuzma who are like some young forwards. We need guard depth, arguably much more than we need power forward depth. So in terms mm-hmm. of keeping it, when it comes down to keeping Julius Randle versus keeping a guard, you know, two similarly aged players but one guy does something that just we need so much more. Both guys are going to be bench players in this hypothetical two max scenario. So in a way, you're kind of overpaying a bench player. But I would much rather overpay a bench player in a position of need. You know what I mean? A guy who can come in off the bench and just be a defender or in a small ball lineup, just be a defender. And I, I definitely, definitely do think it comes down to that. And we can run through the exact numbers if you want to, but... I think there is a ver- there is a scenario where you know maybe KCP you know takes like a little he doesn't he, keep in mind his cap hold let's let's just get into the numbers and, I, and I'll give you some more I'll give you sure. more of my take. So I think what you were about to get into is his cap hold for next year is going to be around twenty one point five or twenty one point six, right? But because the Lakers have his rights or whatever, they can negotiate a deal with him below that cap number and save a couple million, which would be huge. Because like you, like we said, there's a thin line the Lakers have to walk here with trying to get LeBron James at thirty five million and Paul George at thirty one. So any amount of dollars they can save, they can save. So right now, Contavious Caldwell Pope is making seventeen point seven. I don't think it's necessarily out of the question to renegotiate his deal to a 19 a 20 19 or 20 million dollars multi-year and save about 1.5 1.6 million in cap space is that what you're about to get to 
That was kind of what I was about to get to. I was going to go even lower, though. I was going to, well, not, yeah, even lower than that. Um, more okay, than so, what he's making yeah. now, but because we can theoretically offer him more years, but like, so just without going into too much detail, because not everybody's looking at the numbers that we're looking at right now. If we keep Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Larry Nance Jr., Josh Hart, Thomas Bryant, um, I guess we in this scenario we would trade away Kuzma and Zubats. Okay, but let's say we can't we keep all those guys that I just listed. Um, and with KCP's twenty one point five million dollar cap hold, we are sitting at cap commitments of forty five point four million approximately, which would give us if the cap is one hundred and two million, that would give us fifty six point six million dollars in spending power. And keep in mind to get LeBron and Paul George both on the max. We we uh, need sixty six million, so we're about mm-hmm. ten, a little bit under ten million short. If KCP, we re-sign him to a multi year deal at at eighteen million per year, which I think is very reasonable. I think it's two more million. Yeah, it's more. Yeah, exactly. It's more per year than what he was offered this year. Um, and we could even do like a four year deal, like whatever. We could figure that out later. But that adds $3.5 million more to our spending power, which puts us up at $60 million in spending power. And then you're $6 million short of your ideal plan. And that's where the like LeBron and Rich Paul scenario comes in. LeBron and Rich Paul are not just like, it's, this is not just like an agent-player relationship. These guys are friends. Like Rich Paul is from Akron. He's like 36. He's like barely older than LeBron. And he's only an agent because he's a lifelong friend of LeBron. Like LeBron yeah. was like his first client. So, and he's built his entire career. You know, LeBron, if there's one thing we've learned of LeBron over the years, he takes care of his friends. I'm not saying he's going to take a $6 million pay cut so that we can keep Contavious Caldwell Pope. I just think he is going to see if he can make it work. You know what I mean? And if it comes down to that, there is, yes, there is a scenario where we could still keep Contavious Caldwell Pope and still get our two quote-unquote max free agents like max caliber but maybe one or both of them split a pay cut um it is possible i i you don't you never want to bank on that stuff because you never want to bank on like oh yeah well these guys are going to take a pay cut because this is just this is they're, they're going to get too lit and they're going to get too <laughs> excited about this and they're just going to do it like you never want to bank on that but given the rich paul and kcp and lebron connection i just can't help but think like you know, LeBron is going to be playing for maybe four more years, but Rich Paul is going to have a career, presumably as an agent, beyond LeBron's career as a player. So LeBron, you know, throws his friend a bone, gets KCP a nice four-year deal, and just sets him up for even more money in the future because if he balls out on a team with Paul George and LeBron going deep into the playoffs, by the time this contract's over, he's going to be 29, and he can still get one more contract, you know? So right. it, uh, it, it helps everybody. And then can you also bring up the point that LeBron and PG may not necessarily also sign like a too long of a deal because they can, the Lakers can essentially make them whole if they re-sign with them. You know, the Lakers just need their bird rights, right? So I don't know if you know the specifics of how that would work, but maybe LeBron and PG sign for less money for the first two years and then have a player option or something the third year. And the Lakers could essentially make it up to them once they, the next contract down. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And I, and, and, you know, there, there, any, any of those things is possible. We don't know. I, I want to say that, yeah, maybe LeBron just signs a one plus one deal for thirty million instead of the full thirty five point seven that he can get, right? 
mm-hmm. and then he resigns for the full max next year. Yeah, that's definitely possible. Um, not ruling that out. Uh, but I just, I don't, then you get into like this weird, I mean, that's effectively what he did with the Cavs, right? He kept signing these 1.1s so they would like retain some spending power and then he would just opt, opt out and resign, opt out and resign. And, uh, I don't know. Pincus is, I, unless you have more specifics, I'm assuming Pincus is going to be running through all kinds of stuff like this sure. as, the, as the summer progresses. But yeah, that, that kind of thing is also definitely possible. I Again, it, I don't want to bank on this, this kind of stuff because as fans, it's so easy to go down this rabbit hole of like, okay, well, because we, because of this and because of this and because everyone's going to get excited now, everyone's going to take less <laughs> money. Like we're not the Golden State Warriors yet. I'm not going to bank on everybody taking less money. So I'm just, my goal is to figure out how is it going to work given the money that we do have. Right. And I think, I mean, just to go on this like a little bit shorter, I think Paul George may have more incentive to do that because I think after a year or two, he enters that seven to nine year veteran range where he can actually get that 200 plus million super max that Chris Paul got. I think it's an under 37. I forgot what the the exception is, but it's essentially under. Yeah. So what? Yeah. No, to to add to your point, he if he signs a two plus one deal. After his second year, he can opt out and he'll be eligible for the 10 year max, as opposed to right now where he's in the seven to nine band um, because he's like an eight year player or whatever. So uh, he might very well do that and then re sign for that $35 million per year with max raises that, um, that uh, Steph, not Steph Curry, but other, Chris, yeah, exactly. Chris yep. Paul is going to sign that and. And other guys in that 10 plus rate, pretty much the deal that we assumed LeBron was going to sign a four year full 35 year, a full 35 million max. So that's another angle. Like maybe Paul George does something like that. So in that sense, maybe he won't care so much if he takes a little bit less for his first years. You could argue that. I don't know. I don't know if he'll care. Yeah. That, so we but see. I mean, main point is too that we have to keep in mind that if LeBron James and Paul George do intend to come here, they're also probably very smart and attuned to the fact they have to build out a team somehow, you know? And if you already have a guy like KCP there, don't waste him and just say, well, just give me all the money and we'll just keep the two rookies and the other random rookies who make one million and that's it and just sign veteran minimum guys. I think they'll be, I mean, I don't want, like you said, we don't want to assume too much, but you'd hope that at that point that they would be a little bit more willing to do so and be a little more smart about it. But anyways, I just wanted to make one last clarification. So in the cap rundown that we just did, where we keep KCP, um, obviously Luau Deng is gone. Jordan Clarkson is gone. Julius Randle is gone. And the reason why we also have Larry Nance and Zubats gone in this scenario is I think inevitably just because of the way that these guys contracts are structured in terms of Jordan Clarkson making 12, Luau Deng making 17, and then Julius Randle, even though he's only making like four this year, he's going to be paid next year a lot of money that I think it's going to require attaching Larry Nance or Zubats or both of them to any of these players to get them off our team to have expirings come back. I don't think it's going to take just take like a future first rounder. Like I think the first we can offer is 2020. I think it's going to take like Luau Ding and attach Nance and the 2021st. And there you go. We get 
uh, an expiring coming back and we get all that Luau Deng chunk of change off our books. And then on the other end, to get Jordan Clarkson off, I, I guess there could be a team that could just take Jordan Clarkson's $12 million and give us back nothing, but... It might be might be more amenable. We might even get a better asset back if we trade Jordan Clarkson and Julius Randle together, you know, and we get expirings for that. And then there are other ways right. to to make this happen. Where if a team doesn't necessarily want Jordan Clarkson or Julius Randle, maybe you flip Julius Randle mid season if he's doing amazingly for a first round pick that another team might want instead. And then you attach that to Luau Dang and then trade him away for nothing. So I think that's the reason why Dang, Ju- Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance, Zubats, and Julius Randle are not in these estimates because uh, a large chunk of those guys, if not all, will have to be traded away in our opinion. So just to go over it once again, Ingram 5.8. Ball 7.4, KCP 21.5 cap hold, but if we re-sign him to 18 million, then that saves you 3.5 million. Um, Kuzma 1.7, Josh Hart 1.7, Thomas Bryant 1 million, and then you have seven empty roster slots of cap holds for 850,000 each. And then, like we said, cap commit, cap commitments 45.4 and, or I guess 48, 49 now that KCP has signed for 18 million and the Lakers will have approximately 60 million to spend six off of the LeBron Supermax and Paul George dealings. So that's how we got to that. It's possible to keep KCP for now. It would be probably be uh, best to just see him as a rental and see what happens as the season goes along between the race between Julius Randle and KCP. I'm just glad that there's a race to begin with and, uh, we could have some really competitive uh, basketball for the Los Angeles Lakers coming up. So, yeah, man, I'm hyped. I'm good. I guess, uh, do you have anything else to add on the, the cap KCP stuff? Yeah, I want to say a big shout out and thank you to Danny Ainge for gifting Avery Bradley to the Detroit yes. Pistons, paving the way for us to sign Contavious Caldwell. Thank you very much. And also big thanks to uh, Sean Marks for taking on Damari Carroll crazy contract and uh already having Karis Levert, D'Angelo Russell and Jeremy Lin on the same team to the point where adding Contavious Caldwell Pope on a 5-year, 85 million dollar contract would make no sense. So there you go as well. And uh I guess lastly to close the show, you know, Paul George finally made it to OKC. He also said some stuff to Lee Jenkins. Um this is going to be pretty short. I think the only quote of note that Paul George said to me was, you know, the Lakers aren't there yet, but that is matter of fact, very true. So I don't know what your takeaway is from the Paul George Lee Jenkins thing of him saying that, you know, his desire to play with the Lakers is overstated. Because for me, right before he said that overstatement statement, he said, you know, every kid, it's every kid's dream to, uh, to lead a Los Angeles team to victory because I was a Lakers and Clippers fan growing up. I adored Kobe Bryant. And then he went on to say, oh, but my, uh, but my desire to become a Lakers a bit overstated. So what are your thoughts on that? So my thoughts are besides that statement where it's like, oh, now isn't the right time. Or I can't remember exactly how he phrased it. Now isn't the right time or they're not ready or whatever he said. Before that and after that, he sort of paved the way for his actual, you know, eventual trip to Los Angeles because he said that thing about it's everybody's dream. Like he said, it's everybody's dream to play for their hometown. He also said something like things change fast 
And if somebody else signs there, you know what I mean? Like, I can't remember yeah. his exact phraseology. He, he literally but, said that. Yeah. If somebody else signs there, I may want if to If somebody <laughs> else signs there, I may want to sign there too. Wink, wink, Space Jam 2, LeBron. You know what I mean? It's like he, he might as well have been wearing a Space Jam t-shirt when he said that, in my opinion. You know? <laughs> so it's like, I, I'm not going to read too much into it. And I actually do. Like, look, what's, first of all, two things. Besides the obvious like, oh, well, what's Paul George supposed to say? Exactly. That's one obvious comeback. What's he supposed to say? He's going to say, like, he's excited to be in OKC, and this is where he is. You know, he's not going to say anything about any other teams. But besides that obvious, what he's saying is actually literally true. If the Lakers, for some reason, this plan with the grand scheme with LeBron doesn't work out, Paul George is not going to come here by himself. Okay, our two, our two max plan is going to be complete bust. He's going to have to get somebody else who's going to have to agree to sign as well. That that part of it is true. So it's like he's he's literally just saying things that are true. And, and so that's why I have no real problem with it. It doesn't really make me nervous um, because in my mind, we are going to get two guys. So all of that stuff he said is like effectively negated because he gave himself like very clear outs in the speech. And then like next year, everyone's going to point to this and highlight that line where he said, like, oh, if they get somebody else, and then it's going to be the day that he and LeBron both agree to sign. Yep, I 100% agree. Uh, last point, what did you think of uh, Russo-mania? Russo uh, Alex Caruso, 23-year-old dude from Texas A&M, looking like a 40-year-old virgin. <laughs> but oh, balling, like, balling out, balling the heck out on a day where we were all disappointed that Lonzo Ball wasn't playing, Kyle Kuzma wasn't playing, we weren't going to get the Fox Ball matchup of a century. Instead, Caruso goes out there, 19 points, 9 assists, leads the comeback, has that crazy alley-oop, white-on-white white alley-oop <laughs> dunk to Travis Ware. And, I mean, the rest is history. I think for me, that was all it took to say... Give this guy a training camp invite. Have him be the third string backup point guard. He's six five. He's crafty. To me, he looks like a like a mix between a taller Steve Blake and uh, Nick Calathis. I don't know if anybody remembers Nick Calathis from the Grizzlies, but he used to play in for Greek as well, and he also had like a receding hairline and a bald patch on his head too. But he was a solid dude who knew how to handle the ball. And I think Caruso is a little bit more flashier than those guys as well. He has a little huertas in him, but because he's so tall and and big um he can uh i guess he can see over guys even better so what what are your thoughts on uh caruso caruso uh effectively the same thing as what you said essentially the same thing as what you said um i was on the phone with alan like maybe 30 minutes or you know 35 minutes before the game started and i told him alex caruso is the worst player in summer league (laughs) history and i don't know why i said that i think i was just frustrated and because none of our players that we drafted were playing and I was just trying to be extreme and you know be a jerk but I, I said that and then he comes out yeah. and completely balls out and at first it was kind of funny to me like oh wow look at this guy it's like when the nerd it's you know is, is all of a sudden <laughs> the best player and makes a couple of good plays and it's kind of funny and then all of a sudden I was like wait a minute this dude is actually fantastic who is he and then i started reading into him (laughs) and this is a six five point guard with a six six wingspan who's known from college he went to texas a&m not a bad school he's known from college as being a ball hawk defensively Mm -hmm. and he 
excuse me, he shot 36% from three in college. But in the D-League, he shot 40% from NBA range. So he's clearly improved his game. He doesn't make, like, I mean, some of his passes were just fantastic. And if you look at some of his highlight reels, he has some pretty ridiculous passes. Yeah. I'm not saying that's, like, he's not like Magic Johnson or something. You know what I mean? He's not like that. Most of his passes are very steady, like, normal passes. And that's why I kind of like the Steve Blake comparison. But he manages the game. I think he has upside as, like, a third string. Like, even they have these two-way contracts now. Mm -hmm. Maybe give him something like that. But... In my opinion, you can never have enough defensive potential in your backcourt. And this is something that we have not been looking for. It's just so refreshing because we have not been looking for this for so such a long time. Like, we're so focused on offensive players and just, like, basic, like, stats. And it, it just, that's how it, that's what it always felt like. You know, we signed guys like Mozgov who put up pretty good, you know, he can score the ball and dunk mm-hmm. it and do stuff like that. But what is he going to give you defensively? There's it never. It just felt like there's no consideration of that end of the floor, and now it feels like we're sort of considering that end of the floor. Otherwise, KCP wouldn't have gotten a one-year balloon pay, balloon payment offer, in my opinion. Um, so, it, Caruso brings those things, and I'd like to see him get that third point guard spot um, if we find a, a backup point guard. Uh, who's a veteran and, and uh, maybe Crusoe won't get a ton of minutes, but if, you know, once we're like a 25 games under 500, we'll throw him out there and our backup point guard can like move to the end of the bench or whatever. Yep. Agree. Nice uh, diamond in the rough find for the, the Lakers good on their scouting team. Once again, finding these random gems and Caruso, his last three years at Texas A&M averaged like literally an identical Nine points, five assists, which five assists under 28 minutes played is really, really good. And two steals a game, like literally two, two, two last three years. So like you said, defensive ball hawk. So yes, all of a sudden things are looking up. We got KCP. We got Caruso. Rondo, whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> KCP is all we need. And this is funny because, you know, at the at the beginning of this week or whatever, actually, no, I think it was last week, KCP liked that random tweet of a Laker fan telling him, KCP coming to the Lakers, LA, you know, and he likes it on, on Twitter. And look, 99% of the time, a like tweet means absolutely nothing. This time, it meant everything. <laughs> KCP, Contavious, Caldwell, Hope. And there we are. So with that said, thank you guys for joining us on this emergency Lakers Legacy podcast, uh, celebrating the KCP signing and everything else. Um, there's actually a Laker game happening this weekend or tomorrow as well. So there's that. But know. we're all we're all pretty lit. Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more ratings and reviews you give us on iTunes, that's a percentage bump up on KCP's defensive analytics. So his analytic percentages match the eye test so if you want to shut up the analytics only truthers then please rate interview us on itunes so there you go all right tommy i will let you go all right later hey you down with kcp yeah you know me oh yeah Let's say you just bought a house. 
bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents, which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi! Did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi! You have high cholesterol! Hi! You're fine! And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi! There's no more even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.